0: And welcome back to Chicks and Balls, the podcast, a sports podcast by women about more than women's sport. On today's show, the world swimming body has made a ruling on the future of transgender athletes in the sport. And we have a chat with reporter Sarah Karaoglu from. Fox Netball. She's going to pop in to review this year's netball season and give her tips for the upcoming prelim and grand final. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Marley Silva and I am joined by my long lost co-host, the one and only Georgia Moore over in London. How are you, my friend?
1: I am great. It's lovely to be back. Almost properly, yeah. Keely's missing this time, <laughs> but <laughs> no, it's great to be here. Um, I'm well. It is very warm in London at the moment. I know I'm wearing a jumper, but it's very warm in London, so it's lovely. How are you? How's Sydney?
0: Ah, oh, you know, not that warm. I'm pretty lonely. I'm an orphan at the moment, but it is great to have you back. I was actually thinking coming into this record, when will we all three be joined together in unison? Um, once again, in well, I mean, you're going to see Keely in real life, but that's obviously not podcasting stuff. Um, so we'll get there one day. But I'm, I have to say, I'm proud of us for having um, been resilient, being able to stitch things together, and, and record where we can. Uh, you guys will hear a feedback feels uh, with Kiel's, with Kiel's herself in a little bit because um, she pre-recorded it over in in New York. But it is very, very good to have you back. I particularly wanted the opportunity to say that I loved the WAGS chat that you brought last week and I didn't get to say that to you um, because you recorded your own little bit but I think it it was like really good and quite a few people said the same in in the DMs.
1: Well thank you it's always great to contribute when not there so (laughs) but no it's good fun. we're doing well we're managing
0: yeah it's it's a new age thing right technology thank goodness for it um and i guess with that that's a perfect segue to throw to keely in new york city what an international podcast we have become
2: um, with our very first segment and now it's time for feedback feels with keels Thanks for joining me, everyone, to my segment, um, probably the heart of your day. I am joining you guys all the way from New York City, which is really cool. Um, I don't know if Marley has asked me hypothetically how my week is, but I'm going to tell you how my week is anyway. Um, my week has been bloody fantastic. I um, am in the US of A. Um, what else did I do last week? Oh, I had my... Um, Cronulla Sharks Howard Matt's presentation uh, awards night which was really fun and I have to give um, a little shout out to both Max and Chevy who were the award winners for our team um, what else yeah I'm in New York now it's super cool it's really great great weather really good start to the holiday um, and I do have some feedback which I wanted to make sure got across to the podcast this week It's from the one and only Abby Schnakenhausen, friend of the show. She sent me a message on the weekend saying that she had a Chicks and Balls loyal listener with me, Laura, um, who she also said is the best. So shout out to you, Laura, for being the best. Um, She was saying how much she loves the pod and her feedback was she misses Georgia but loves listening to you all. So that's really nice and we appreciate that. So thanks, Laura. Um, The other thing I wanted to give a little bit of feedback about and just make sure that I um, told everyone was I went to a WNBA game yesterday. Yeah, I did. And watched the New York Liberty versus Seattle Storm. Um, It was really, really, really awesome. If I could recommend you, if you ever get to America and you can do all the sports, definitely have the WNBA in there. Uh, It was really awesome to see how they run everything and how much they support the girls and how the crowd, like it was a massive crowd. There was definitely maybe like 5,000 there. Um, but, you know, they've got all the merch set up. It feels like a normal NBA game. Um, they've got all the fun entertainment, throwing out t-shirts. The whole crowd is mixed of male and female. Um, and there was actually one of the goats of the WNBA, Sue Bird. It was her last game in New York. She plays for Seattle, um, so it's her last season and it was really nice farewell and she was highly respected by everyone there um, and had a lot of great fan base. But, yeah, that is all from me at the moment in all the way from New York. I'm sure I'll chime in when I get to London at the end of the week and I will be with the one and only G Moore. But other than that, I will speak to you guys soon. Hope everyone's well. Bye-bye.
0: Now it's time for a segment that we call Around the Grounds where we dive into the biggest headlines in sports media from the week gone by and we all agree here that there's probably no bigger story than this one um for for anyone who's a fan of sport and actually I think broader society this week, as quite a few people would have already seen, swimming's world governing body, uh, FINA, has voted to restrict the participation of transgender athletes in elite women's competitions and create a working group to establish an open category for them in some events as part of its new policy. So before we get into this chat, I think, um, you know, we've been conscious that there's been quite a few discussions going on, you know, across the sporting world around um, the participation of transgender people, for quite some time, and we've tried to stay away from it. I guess as cisgendered heterosexual women um, who aren't scientists and, and aren't athletes ourselves, you do feel a little bit uncomfortable because there's so many complexities um, to this, and then also like what is our role, or how relevant is our opinion um, on this issue, considering our context. But it is something that I think um, we all agree is important to to raise. At, at the very least, you know, it's clearly going to be an ongoing discussion and a journey in all facets of women's sport in particular for for a long time, you know, as the world learns more and we have to figure out um, how to be, I guess, more comfortable uh, with these uncomfortable conversations to grow and, and to change, you know, I guess the, the way that things currently are. So, you know I think for me G and, and I wonder before we lay out some of the facts uh, how how you felt about this emerging this week I think you know aside from you know what you think about the decision and the way that quite a few other bodies as we'll get into are now taking actions um, in response to it I've just thought how <laughs> what it must feel like for young trans people in particular to kind of be spoken about in the media in this way, across this week. I, I think that in itself is probably for the average punter who, who doesn't really have any influence or, or any part to play in this uh, should be conscious of like if, you know, just how difficult that must be for their mental health.
1: Yeah, 1000%. I think that I would be lying if I didn't say that I haven't probably prior to like doing some reading for this and the episode and stuff probably acknowledged or looked into this story and this news as much as I should, and I think that upon reflection that comes from a place of what you were talking about when you introduced this story, it is uncomfortable and not because of the transgender part of things. That causes me no discomfort at all, but it's the idea where is the relevance of me like a white, straight, cisgendered woman, as you said, like it is a hard story to form an opinion on because we have so little experience or like for me personally, I don't have anyone in my immediate circles or my close life who has experienced this. Um, So it is a hard one to reflect on because I don't know where I land in the Mm -hmm. circle of all of this. And I think that it is um, important to, you know, take the discomfort with it and look into it anyway and form an opinion or be an ally or like wherever you feel you're placed in this but it's an interesting one for sure and I think that it's probably in terms of the young people and their mental health like a a good representation of or a good example I should say of why like you know not all press is good press like you know there's an argument that at least we're speaking about it and at least there's visibility for it and at least there's an acknowledgement of it. But at the same time, I think particularly for young people, like you mentioned, this would be a really confronting news cycle to be a part of. And it's not necessarily all positive. So it's a would be, I imagine, quite a weird reality where you're seeing maybe for the first time yourself represented in the media and it's over quite a controversial and combative topic. So, um, Yeah, I can't imagine how difficult that must be for, A, the female athletes who are trying to compete and get fair representation, but, yeah, particularly, like you said, the young people who are already having such a complex time navigating this in their own lives to be seeing this unfold with a lot of people, arguably like ourselves, (laughs) with almost irrelevant opinions talking about it like and I think I like to think that we have quite a fair and measured way of approaching things and like you said we thought it was important to talk about this regardless because it's where we're going but I imagine turning on Fox Sports and listening to lots of it's irrelevant people talk about it must be quite frustrating so yeah it's a tricky one for sure
0: yeah and I think the the way to kind of get around that trickiness is to s- sort of lay out the facts I think um that's that's something that we wanted to do with talking about this so this decision that's been made by this um swimming world governing body is the strictest that's been made by any Olympic sports body so far Um, and it was made during a a general congress um, that they've had well the world swimming championships are happening at the moment so obviously they get all their leadership together and they've put this forward and it was um, decided so what it states is uh, the new eligibility policy uh, for their competition male to female transgender athletes are eligible to compete only if they can establish to Fina's comfortable satisfaction that they have not experienced any part of male puberty beyond what's called the Tana Stage 2 of puberty or before the age of 12, which is later. So, I mean, just from some of my readings and, and just some stuff I know anecdotally, uh, I know that for transgender people it's actually incredibly difficult to have permission, whether it's legal or parental or, or whatever, to start transitioning that young. So that, that really just about wipes out eligibility for, for most uh, male to female transgender people because that's a really formative time and quite difficult to transition uh, by then. But this um, policy was passed with roughly 71% majority after it was put to the members of the um, 152 national federations with voting rights. So what the FINA president had said, to quote him, We have to protect the rights of our athletes to compete, but we also have to protect competitive fairness at our events, especially the women's category at these competitions. And FINA will always welcome every athlete. The creation of an open category will mean that everybody has the opportunity to compete at an elite level. While advocates for transgender inclusion argue that not enough studies have been done yet on the impact of transition on physical performance and that elite athletes are often physical outliers in any case, an athlete ally and advocacy group for LGBTQI plus people in sport actually condemned this decision. I think not to to many people's surprises. And they've said via Twitter that FINA's new eligibility criteria is discriminatory, harmful, unscientific, and not in line with the 2021 IOC principles. So of course, it's going to get super, super heated. But on the flip side, transgender men are fully eligible to compete in men's swimming competitions. So that
1: is male to... Sorry, female female to male.
0: Female to male for anyone, yeah. Yeah, female to male. And um, it does seem like since this, because a lot of people, I guess, have been asking the question of like, you know, when was a decision like this going to be made? And off the back of it, it's like the floodgates have opened because FIFA's now come out and World Athletics, they're reviewing their frameworks and following this announcement on Monday, the International Rugby League body has actually decided to preclude athletes who've transitioned from male to female from international competition. They said in a statement that it's like a pause for a moment while they do more research, but it would mean that trans athletes would not be able to play in international test matches like the Pacific Test that are happening this weekend or at the Women's Rugby League World Cup later this year. So really tense time, I think, certainly – Yeah, there's lots of discussion around doing the science around it. And I think that in the aftermath of that decision from the swimming body, there's been a lot of really successful, uh, particularly Australian female swimmers that we've seen come out who've spoken about uh, a few have been like, this is rubbish um, and that they fully support transgender athletes having the equal opportunity to be a part of their competitions. But a few others have, have spoken about, you know, what a struggle it is to sort of make your mark and, and develop a career and be taken seriously as a female athlete. And, and that's something that them wanting to, you know, see maintained with some in, integrity and, and fairness there. So I think it's uh, certainly a very difficult one to reflect on, but it, it's also, I think I'm hopeful that the beginning of this and seeing like a lot of dedicated effort to figure this out and, and what the right thing to do is, is a, is a positive thing. Like that's progress there.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think that, like you mentioned, the conversation had to start somewhere and we've been having discussions like this quite a few times on the podcast even. And there is a sense of floodgates opening with this decision being made. Like you mentioned, the number of sporting bodies who have followed suit or who have announced that they would be following suit or reviewing their policies. So there is an element of have FINA just given permission to all sporting bodies to do the same and to become exclusive to a degree, which would be a huge concern if everyone sort of started falling in line in the way that FINA had. But at the same time, I think this is an example of where all conversation is good conversation to a degree, because if this does open up that channel for far more research to go into it, like a lot of the um, allies have come out in saying that there just isn't enough research into it yet – Like they said, athletes always outliers in their fields, regardless of gender. So if at the very least it encourages more science and more research and more funding into that sort of stuff, then I think it's a good thing. And all we can do is hope that, you know, there is always an inclusivity element and a scientific backing and that, you know, we're moving in the right direction. I do want to say, like you mentioned about, how difficult it can be for people to undergo transitioning at such a young age. It is quite interesting because I would say that's almost, that's probably an opinion I've held for quite some time, that there needs to be some sort of deadline to a degree on development where if you transition before, it's more of a physical equal um, playing field. And if you transition after, that's when it becomes a little more gray area. But it would be remiss not to acknowledge how difficult that process can be to start at such a young age. And there is only so much reversal of that development that can be done, especially in the male to female transition. So yeah, I obviously don't know what the answer is. Um, I don't think any of us do at this point. Clearly, Fina don't even know what the answer is. Um, I think everyone is trying to do their best. But yeah, I think that the competitive nature in people is always going to come out whether that leans to the way of well I've worked my whole life and I want it to be fair or I've worked my whole life and I want to compete against whoever's willing to compete Mm -hmm. against me so there is you know athletes are human but they're also competitive at heart so (laughs) it will always be a different conversation to any other field like arts or media or singing because it just doesn't equate it doesn't have the same impact
0: yeah and we can't avoid talking about bodies when we talk about sport I think is is something that's really relevant the, the one last point I wanted to make on this is that I and I have thought this from the first sort of conversations around this wonder if we're conflating the issue because the percentage of people who are transgender is very very small and the percentage of those people who are going to be pursuing you know being elite athletes is even smaller so I think this has been you know something that's important to remember is like this has been thrust into the spotlight again particularly in swimming because an American transgender uh, woman uh, an athlete uh, called Leah Thomas she became the first openly transgender person to win at the NCAA's swimming championships, which is like the college um, elite swimming championships uh, last year. And that was kind of – it caused a lot of controversy because of all those questions, like as we've been talking about going through male puberty, et cetera, et cetera. But aside from that, like how often is this going to be a thing? You know, even the International Rugby League body, they said they've not had anyone who is transgender want to register. Um, A lot of these sports don't actually – aren't actually facing this issue it's just that they're preemptively making this strike so I think that at the end of the day the most important thing is that everyone remains respectful and also like realistic about whether this is a big issue because I think it's very easy for people to kind of go all up in arms about a thing that they don't really know a lot about and go oh my god it's gonna you know completely ruin women's sport or, or whatever it is like it's just not there's just not that many people you know I think that's the thing that keeps coming to my mind too.
1: I just saw the most incredible tweet that backs up completely what you're saying. And it does look like it's a screenshot on pedestrian articles. So it looks like there was a further thread to this, but it's such a hard hitting tweet that says transgender athletes have been able to compete in the Olympics since 2004 and have not dominated anything since then. This is a debate that lacks a problem. And this decision is unnecessarily cruel. So I think what you said is completely true. The percentage is so small and, we haven't been talking about this since 2004 so it is a minority
0: absolutely well that's one way to leave it <laughs> and now for our second story in around the grounds this week we are so stoked to be joined by sarah Karaglu from fox netball and she's also the host of their official podcast the fourth quarter here to talk all things netball sarah thank you so Just- much for joining us Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, happy to be on the potty. I'm a big fan. Well, we're a big fan of yours as well. And it's been awesome, um, I, I think for me uh, in particular, stalking your Instagram, seeing all the amazing things you've been doing in your work um, at Fox Netball in particular this year. But am I right in saying that you've been in and around Fox for a couple of years now?
3: Yeah, so this is my third year at Fox. I've jumped between uh, a few different roles. I used to work in prez, which was like television switching, I guess, like rolling ad breaks. That was kind of my foot in the door when I was studying sports media. Um, Then I was lucky enough to join the production team, and uh, that kind of lined up with when we got the rights to Suncorp Super Netball. So very exciting this year. Uh, I've got to have my hands in, in a bunch of different things, so it's been a really good experience so far.
0: Yeah, so I think a lot of the time people kind of see someone working in media in, in a role like what you have, and and think, how on earth do you do you end up there? Because it, it can be a tough one to to get your foot in the door, as you've said. Were you straight out of uni into that? How how did you, uh, I guess, secure the position that you're in now?
3: Yeah, that's funny because I remember us graduating together, Molly at UTS. Um, but so I guess I always wanted to work in television and, and media and obviously passionate about sports. So I, after school, I did a, um, after uni, sorry, I did a sports media postgrad diploma, which I started. And then we, I had a really great tutor who um, brought us into Fox and introduced us to some people. And um, as soon as I walked in there, I was like, this is where I want to work. This is where I want to be. Uh, and I just kind of kept chasing opportunities whenever jobs came up, um, applied for a bunch of different roles, which I was unsuccessful in getting because I didn't have any industry experience. And then I applied for a role that said presentation coordinator and I had no idea what it meant, but I was fortunate enough to, to get trained up in that role. And then after that, a graduate program came up, which Fox does every few years. Uh, it's a female graduate opportunity. So Applied for it, was fortunate enough to to be selected um, myself and two other girls, and it's kind of just an opportunity to move around move around the business. You don't get promised a full time role at the end of the one year period, uh, but I was lucky enough to um, get offered a full time role after that, uh, which was in the digital team. So I worked across social media, a bit of writing. Um, and then off the back of that, I moved into production where um, I was lucky enough to, that's, that's always where I wanted to be, which was, I guess, the broadcast side of things, uh, but I still was passionate to kind of explore the journalist opportunity. So I'm really lucky. I've got a great team and um, great leaders that let me kind of get the best of both worlds. I still work as a producer across across broadcast uh, in an associate producer role, but I also get to um, still write some yarns and, and follow up on some other things, which is really fun. Yeah, that's unreal. I think
1: it's um, always so interesting to hear the journey because I don't know any two people in media's, in media, who's are the same. You talked about that being a real combination with
3: your passion for sport. What role did sport play in your life growing up? Growing up, sport was, I guess, everything I, I think, um, you know, it kind of just brought Everyone together in my family, whether it was, you know, the pizza night with State of Origin or dad taking me to a footy game. Um, I played netball and I loved playing netball growing up. I was always in second division. I never cracked that that first division. I remember my friends were guns at netball and we'd kind of separate whenever we all went to training together. they'd all go into that first division training and I was just lingering um lingering around but it was just I guess an awesome opportunity to make friends with people and to I'm, I'm some of my closest friends um to this day and my best mates are people that I played sport with so I played football like soccer growing up um, and Nettie. And I just feel like it's kind of that talking point that brings people together. So no matter where you are, whenever you're meeting people, uh, you can kind of bond over something, you know, when you find out someone goes for the same team as you, or they've played the same sports as you, it's just an instant bond. And you feel like you've got a connection to those people. Um, And I think what I've been most passionate about is the growth of female sports and female athletes in Australia, especially. And being a part of that, even with Fox getting the netball rights, um, it just made me want to work there so much more and, and kind of hero the women uh, that we have previously grown up not really seeing on our screens. Um, obviously, there's a lot of amazing female athletes that we've grown up knowing, but I think now there's so many more stories that we're getting to hear and it's so exciting to be a part of that process. So I guess that journey with that relationship i guess with sport and why i'm passionate about it has evolved um and i'm just getting more and more passionate about it when i get to sit down and talk to these amazing women especially um in the suncorp super netball competition and hear their stories and tell other people their stories it's just um it's like every day you're you're super excited to go into work and and see what's coming up next
1: yeah that's awesome it's definitely an Evolution for you. You talked about some of the stories we did get to see of female athletes when, you know, we were younger and the generation now are seeing a lot more. But was there a
3: sports star or a sports journal that
1: you looked up to in your younger life?
3: I definitely looked up to the likes of, I guess, on the screen, Tara Rushton growing up, especially being a big um, soccer fan, football fan. Uh, She was amazing. And I think that the likes of like a Sam Kerr or a Caitlin Ford, I remember going to watch Caitlin Ford play when I think I was like 12, between 10 and 12, and she was 15. And then she was like in the Matildas. And that's amazing to see her now even killing it on the international stage. And, and, um, playing, you know, in Premier League overseas, like, it's just, it's awesome. So I think that those, um, kind of stars, you know, you've also got obviously like Yvonne Sampson, who's probably the best sports broadcaster in the world. Um, so getting to work in a place where you get to see those people and see how they operate and how hard they work, um, and yeah, it's just it's just inspiring as a young female uh, working in media to get to be around those people, and I guess to see them flourish over and dominate over such long periods of time. Um, so yeah, I think every day though, I'm finding out about more athletes that. I didn't even previously know about because I didn't have the privilege of knowing their stories or seeing them on my screens. Um, and now I guess with social media, with um, the growth of the digital world, we're, we're getting to see those stories now. So I think there's a lot of women now that are just that inspire me every day. Um, but definitely, I think growing up, it was Sam Kerr, Caitlin Ford um, and the likes of Tyra Ushton and Bonnie Sampson.
0: Seeing you talk about it like that, I think there's a lot of synergies in this little Zoom chat we're having now. Like that's how, how we fell about it as well. And um, it's so awesome uh, to see someone like yourself in- involved in it. And, and as you said, you're you're in the Fox Netball team now, um, a new channel that's been amazing for the coverage of our netball girls this year. What's it been like to be a part of, of that, I guess, basically since its inception and um, you, you spoke about how good your team is. What, what's it like working with those kinds of women leading this channel?
3: Oh, it's amazing. I think um, just getting to go into work every day, you know, when the, when the team first started, I remember reaching out to some of the the leaders at Fox and, and asking if I could be a part of it. Um, and they, they had instant recognition for being like, Oh, you want to be involved. Um, you can, if you can prove that you can work hard and be a part of that team we will have you there. Um, my, my, executive producer for for netball Erin Ferreira, who's who's my boss she she's incredible in the way that she leads our team we you know there are a few males in our team who work really hard but it's predominantly female and just to see them all killing it every day is is incredible we have such a strong bond um at work and i think that the way that they've gotten around the sport this year and just I think um it's just been incredible to see netball on our screens and the the different activations that Fox has incorporated the different insights uh the way that we've heroed the girls uh as they should be because they're so incredible um it's been amazing and I think being a part of you know, we've. Got, I think we've got the rights for five years. So getting to be there from the beginning was something I, w- I really wanted to get in there and just, you know, know that I could contribute what I could and help the growth of the sport from that beginning point. And I'm so excited. Hopefully, I get to stay with the team for for that whole time. Um, for that, and hopefully we get to extend beyond that. I guess. You never know, but yeah, it's it's just exciting to be a part of it from the get go. And uh, we had the opportunity to go to meet all the girls in our preseason shoots and things like that, and it was just incredible. I was very excited. So um, we had the Team Girls Cup in I think it was February uh, down in Melbourne, and it gave us an opportunity to see the girls, um, talk to them, get to know them, and it just it was an incredible experience. And now seeing how they have progressed through the year. You know, you've got someone like Ruby Baker or Doran, who's a goal defense for the firebirds. And within six months, she's gone from just breaking, you know, out of being a training partner into being a part of that main team. And then she's been, you know, she was selected in the diamond squad um, and she was just absolutely killing it. And just to, to be a part of that process from the beginning and to be a part of her journey is, is incredible. And I'm excited for, the many more heroes that are coming through uh, and the more stories that we get to hear and share.
0: We often talk about, uh, you know, the rise of the the women's AFL and NRL on our podcast, but also always reflect on the fact that we do have a sport like netball in this country where we have the best competitors in the world here and the best competition. You know, for people who maybe aren't super invested in netball, how would you sell that to them? Is it these stories? Is it these role models that these girls are? What is the special element that you think would get more people to tune in?
3: I think the Suncorp Super Netball, um, for one, it's it's evolved a lot. And I know some people who were really into that traditional style of netball weren't too excited by it. But especially in finals, um, getting to see, say, your Suncorp Super Shot moment is so exciting you just see like that there's five minutes left in a game and then say there's 10 points if someone sinks five super shots like Irani Rani or something it's just like incredible you just the whole crowd lifts you just feel the other day we were watching the um it was oh it was Collingwood uh, versus the Vixens, and they had to get to a certain point, like a certain amount of numbers, whether they could get into finals or not, sorry, a certain amount of points. Um, And they, you know, they lost the game, but because of the the score at the end of it, which is also because of Super Shots, they made it into finals, and it was just, you know, everyone in, in the office was just screaming and on their feet. It was an incredible, just like so uplifting. And I think that um, the different activations and the different rules that they've added to this, to the Suncorp Super Netball has just taken netball to a new level. It's so much more exciting. It's so engaging. Um, and I think that because we've got so many amazing international athletes in the competition now, especially heading into something like com Games, it's almost like a preview for the Com Games that's coming up. So, like whether it's Janelle Fowler or you got Helen Housby, Joe Harden, but then they're coming up against our beloved Aussie Diamonds and they're just, you get to see those matchups that usually you'd only get to see once every few years or, you know, whenever we get to see them go to uh, go to an international competition, you get to see that every weekend. You get to think about, you know, I guess they get to test themselves as well against the best in the world. So it actually betters those international competitions, I think. Um, And every person that I've spoken to on the podcast, we, I always say, you know, do you think that this is the toughest competition to compete in, in the world, Um, in netball? Because there are so many internationally and everyone has said, yes, you've got some of the girls, um, like Sam, Sam Wallace, who's come from Trinidad and Tobago. She said that after her first session, she wanted to go home after her first training session. It was like, it was so hard that she was ready to go home. Um, And, you know, now she's one of the best shooters in the world. And I think that it just goes to show that this competition is so hard. And these, the, you know, the level that these athletes compete at is just, they're pushing themselves to the absolute limit. And it's so exciting to watch. And I think that if anyone hasn't tuned into like a, a game on Foxtel or KO yet, uh, they definitely should because you'll—I promise—you'll tune into the next one. It's—it's it's very exciting.
1: So you host the fourth quarter and interview all of the biggest names in netball. Has there been a chat that you've had so far that has like either surprised you or really stood out? Oh, I think
3: um, I guess. A couple of the, I really enjoyed my chat with Sam Wallace, uh, that I had a couple of weeks ago, just because she is just so energetic and vibrant and fun. I felt like I could have spoken to her for hours. Um, she is just incredible the way that she get gives insight to her game and, and rehab. I think she really opened up about, um, some personal things to us and, that, yeah, she, I just have so much respect for her as an athlete. I think she's, she's amazing. So that, that was a really great chat. Uh, and also Sharon Finn and white, who was the second ever indigenous woman to play for the diamonds. She is just incredible. I think her work that she does, um, she's kind of committed her life to pathways and bettering pathways in Australia so that everyone has the same opportunity to play at the highest level, uh, which is a big issue in netball at the moment, I think. Um, and she, she's someone that I've bonded with and I'm, I'm super lucky to work with her at Fox netball. Um, she, she's just incredible and, and a massive inspiration. Um, so I think that, Every chat I've had, it has been great. I've, I'm a massive fan of all the girls I've spoken to, and there's so many girls I still want to speak to. I've been hammering the emails to all the different media managers, but um, yeah, those, those two individuals were were really inspiring when I got to speak with them.
0: I love hearing you talk about this, Sarah, because it, it's clear that you can see where this is building to, and. I guess it does so it certainly feel like, you know, even though netball's been around for a long time, it's at this new level and it, it's growing to something else. So it's so exciting. And we won't hold you for much longer because the, the final questions we've got is one, do you have a team or you try and stay sort of objective? Or like who, who's your uh, number one team?
3: I think, so uh, originally, obviously, um, Jamie Lee Price, who I know that you are very close with, Marley, <laughs> she's a good friend of mine as well, and I originally would just tune in to, to all of her games, um, and a massive fan of the Giants. I thought it was really cool how um, they're a new club as well and how they've gotten so close. So I've kind of always been rooting for them, but I've gotten, you know, pretty close with some of the Swifts girls. So <laughs> it, it's a bit, I try not to, <laughs> to get too far into it, but um, it's funny because when we went to the TGC um, team girls cup, sorry, down in Melbourne, it was, and you know, we did all those preseason shoots. It, you, you liked every club. Every club had something different. Um, like the Collingwood magpies are so fun. They were just the funnest group. Uh, like they knocked over, they were doing a photo shoot and they were having so much fun that they knocked over the banner behind them. I think there's a video that I'll have to send to you. It's hilarious that. Yeah. So I think now I, I probably still, I probably still got a soft spot for the giants. I think, um, you know, uh, and JLP, but Uh, Yeah, I think some of the other girls won't be happy that I've said that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) With that said, we need to know what's your tips for first the prelim that's coming up this Saturday, which is, of course, is the Giants coming up against the Vixens. And then on to the grand final in Perth. Like who's going to take it out this year? So this, this has changed a
3: lot for me. So from the beginning of the year, I have said the Vixens will be premiership winners. They are just amazing. I think, um, you know, they've got so many Diamonds representatives there. And and for good reason, they're incredible. I think um, they, they're they so seamless and they're so classy, the way that they play and, and they um, connect with one another. I think Kira Austin has just been a massive standout this year, coming back from injury. I mean, she just... She, sinks super shots when she doesn't need to. So, like, she'll just be, like, you know, in, in that zone um, in the first 10 minutes, and she just sinks them seamlessly. She's she's incredible. Um, but then again, watching them last week, I, the hunger wasn't there, um, which I was surprised because I spoke with Liz Watson on, on the fourth quarter podcast, um, and they were so keen. They were so up just before that game. Um, so, yeah, I was really surprised by their performance. Uh, but the Giants were just on another level i mean joe harden is such an incredible leader but her performance on the weekend was next to none i just she she was so hungry for it and i think the giants you know if their fire is just their fire is burning like they are they've gotten so close and they want that grand final win um and i think I kind of have a feeling, you know, not the the fever are amazing, but I kind of feel like whoever wins this weekend will take out the grand final. Um, And if we're going off form and I guess off hunger, I I think I'm going to have to go to the giants. I actually had a dream. They won the grand final. (laughs) I feel they're a little scorned from last year too. So I'm backing. Yeah. I think it comes down to who's hungrier And um, I think that, you know, the giants, that the Vixens have not to say they're not hungry, but they've, you know, they've, been premiership winners several times, Um, you know, even in in recent years. And I I just think that the Giants, they haven't, they've gotten so close. Um, And I just think that this year could be the year they go all the way. So we'll see.
0: Yeah. Well, we're certainly hoping that. So that's, I, I like hearing an expert say something like that, um, personally, just as a, a big Giants fan, that Validation. makes me feel good. Um, Sarah, thank you so much, uh, not only for making the time to have this chat with us, but for what you're doing. I think it's amazing and um, certainly a big fan of, of your work. So yeah, keep killing it. And um, yeah, I guess I will be keeping an eye on, on your future as well. So thank you so much.
3: Thank you so much, Mars. And thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it and loving the work you're doing. I'm a massive fan of the plotty, and I was very excited when you asked to have me on.
1: <laughs> you're the real MVP.
0: Now it's time for a segment that we call MVPs, where each week we award someone or something with our own personal MVP title. And Georgia Moore, you kick us off. I think, you know, no one's gonna be these are the most Georgia Moore double barreled MVPs I've ever heard. Look,
1: I don't even know where to begin. Gab Crotty, God lover, commented on our post. Harry and Chef, with well, she said Steph. Within twenty four hours, are you coping? And I was not. <laughs> the weekend of my life. Over the weekend, um, for those who did not see, I went to Harry Styles in Manchester, um, which was life changing. Really, um, night of my life. It was absolutely incredible. I. Love him. I loved it. The energy in the crowd was unbelievable. It was well worth the trip to Manchester. It was just out of control. And then I got home in the wee hours of the morning to the Warriors winning the NBA final, their fourth in recent years, and none other than Chef Curry winning MVP. So that's he won the All Stars MVP this year, the championship. And the championship MVP, and he is just the best, and it was just the best 24 hours of my
0: life. <laughs> I couldn't believe that was his first championship MVP because they've won four out of the last eight championships, and he's yeah. – was it KD yeah. who won the last couple? Or KD won one,
1: Clay won one, and – I'm not too sure who took out the third, maybe Andre or maybe KD did two in there somewhere, but yeah, it is um, surprising, but he is very well deserving and just like their content on socials after like following the championship has been amazing. And they have been written off for the past couple of years with Clay's injury and Steph's injury. And especially at the beginning of this year, everyone said they're too old, they're too tired. They've had their championship years and, Clay and Steph particularly have just kept all of these receipts of all of these people saying this stuff throughout the year and they called them out in their press conferences. They called them out on Twitter. They were, like, just mocking all these people the whole time in the post-match celebrations. So I think it was just, like, super awesome. Some, a Celtics fan in the crowd had a T-shirt that said, um, Aisha Curry can't cook. <laughs> and Steph found the t-shirt after the game and took a photo with it with him and his championship trophies in the rooms and now they've had merch made up that said Aisha Curry can cook and it's just <laughs> like I just love it they're just so petty and they're just basking in their glory and I love it
0: I love it I love that for you G I, I was thinking of you when I saw the Warriors won and also knowing you're at Harry. so I'm really happy for you um oh, you. <laughs> my MVP is Two Aussies who've gone and done something that we've never done as Australians before. Damon Heater and Simon Whitlock have won the first ever Professional Darts Corporation World Cup of Darts Championship for Australia. Amazing. What a sport. What a thing to do.
1: This is such a Keely MVP too.
3: I love it.
0: I know. I, I It was because I saw it this week and thought Keely would absolutely have this as her MVP if she was here. Um, but also, like, we love a first for, for some Aussies and, um, yeah, oh, darts. I actually had a crack at some darts the other week and I'm not going to lie, I was way better than I thought. So maybe I can wow. be the next world champ. I think
1: I would be horrific. Yeah, so I, maybe I, that's I what I thought.
0: But, you know, I'm better than than what I realised. It might have been beginner's luck, but who knows. We love. Now we come to our final segment of the show, which is our ones to watch, where we'll recommend what sport, event, or even a Netflix show you should be looking for the week ahead. So I'm going to kick it off. Number one thing on my mind is the Women's State of Origin this Friday in Canberra. I'm going to be freezing my appendages off on the sideline. There has been a big fresh dump of snow, Georgia, um, in the New South Wales south region um, this week. Terrifying. I think I'm going to die. I have all the thermals, whatever, but that's not, it's not about me. What it's about is our incredible female rugby league players. I'm very, very excited for this game. I'm very hopeful that New South Wales can get on top. But yeah, that's number one thing. And also we have the Pacific Tests in the NRL as well as Origin Game 2. So heaps and heaps of footy to watch this weekend.
1: We love it. I'm so excited for you. I obviously hope Queensland will get on top, but (laughs) equally very excited to watch both games. It's a Sunday morning boozy brunch for State of Origin Game 2 over in London, which is hopefully going to be Loads of fun and a Queensland series win. You know what, Jay? I
0: reckon it's going to be. I do
1: you feel. know what? I won't lie. I I obviously would love Queensland to take it out at any point. I'm not opposed to it going to game three. Yeah. I do love a good decider. Yeah, But it would be a little bit relaxing if we won this weekend. We I shall just, see how we go. Yeah, but, yep. My one to watch, I watched on a very hungover Sunday and I know I'm not the first person telling you to go see this, but the new Top Gun, I had not seen number one and I was like, look, it's a movie, how good can it be? But it was great. It is that real cinema experience that I feel like I haven't had in a long time, aside from Spider-Man, obviously, but it was unbelievable and Miles Teller is unbelievable and all the hype that you've heard is real so I recommend going back and watching number one um, just for the emotive connection to get you excited and then go to a cinema spend your thousand dollars on popcorn and a large frozen coke and enjoy.
0: Amazing I, um, I was worried because I've not seen the first one either but do you reckon it you only need it for that, that nostalgia you understand you know the what? story? I hadn't s- You understand the story. I still hadn't seen it before
1: I went to see it and we just like read a recap of number one while we're walking to the cinema. So if you are under, there's pretty much like a one important plot line that you need to know, which I won't tell you from Top Gun 1, but you can definitely still appreciate the fullness of number two without it. But I would recommend reading a little recap and it probably would give you a bit more nostalgia because it is a lot of the same actors in number two. So.
0: Well, good to know. Well, I I really want to see it. So I'll take your recommendation on board, G. Thanks for hanging out with me. I'm so glad that you're here. I guess I'll see you virtually soon but you'll be seeing keely in real life soon we will capture that on our instagram everyone else thank you so much for joining us massive thank you to sarah for jumping on as well that was such a good chat um and thanks for just dealing with all the ups and downs that have been going on with our recording schedule at the moment it is going to get back to normal soon also got a guest host coming to join me very very soon who i think you'll all be very excited about just a little bit of a teaser um and other than that um Make sure you are hitting that subscribe button wherever you're listening, giving us a five star rating if you really, really like it. Follow us on Instagram at Chicks and Balls Pod, on TikTok at Chicks and Balls Pod, and on Twitter at Chicks and Balls No Pod. Um, and I guess we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.